The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hi there. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. This is a show for entrepreneurs. Now, entrepreneurs are the people who are really enthusiastic about business, about creating something new. The people who are going to kickstart the economic recovery and build those high-paying, high-skilled jobs that are suitable for the 21st century. Unfortunately, we've got high unemployment here because the jobs that are lost are gone forever. So it's about time that we began to train people for new jobs and... Uh, encourage entrepreneurs to get it all happening. You know, I've been a startup and I've run small businesses and I've also had prominent jobs with um, major corporations. And I know where I'd rather be. I would much rather be an entrepreneur. Growing a small business, it's challenging. In fact, it's bloody hard work, but it's enormously rewarding, both emotionally and financially. Today, we've got two terrific interviews with entrepreneurs. One, a kid who grew up in a trailer with nothing but ambition and parlayed that into a number one best-selling book. The other used YouTube to obtain 130 million views and build a tremendous career. And I met him at Metal, um, which um, is a wonderful organization in Los Angeles. So let's begin today's program with some information about the next generation of entrepreneurs. Now, this is a time when people like my son, Hunter, who goes to George Washington University, is out for the summer, and he and millions of his colleagues are looking for an internship, some of which are being paid and many of which are not. Now, in, internships are certainly the best way for college students to understand the realities of how business works. However, unfortunately, the job market at the moment is flat at best, so many companies appear to see internship as simply unpaid labour. So let's talk about some of the things that are do's and don'ts. Now, college graduates still face a very difficult job market. The unemployment for 20 to 24-year-olds is around 15%, I think, much higher than the national average, which remains at 8.1. Now, to give them an edge on the increasing competition for internships, students do take unpaid internships in order to gain the necessary experience. Today, around about 50% of all internships are unpaid. 
Of course, with the labour market so tough, many college graduates are taking unpaid internships over and over and over again in order to be able to break into either the workforce or into particular industry. Now, if you're a, if you're a student, you definitely need to consider the fact that while this unpaid internship doesn't pay any dollars, it definitely pays in the long-term career. You know, if you can identify ways in which you can leverage that internship directly, then it's a great thing to do. However, not all unpaid internships are created equal. So here's what you need to know before signing up for free work this summer. Before committing to any kind of internship, you should identify what you want out of that experience. You should list what industries and job positions that you're interested in for the future and look for internship opportunities that will give you experience in those fields. Then you're able to assess if that internship that you're looking for will give you the skills you need to go and get the job that you eventually want. Will it give you credibility? That you, you know the credibility that you're going to need to get that, that target position when people are going through your resume. Will it give you connections that you need to leverage a paid position in your target job? You know, if you um, like in any business, you need to maximise the people that you speak to, maximise your contacts, and then leverage them as hard as you can. Every business today and every industry today is about networking. So the more you network, the more chance you are of being successful. You should take the initiative and work with the company's HR department, talk to them and identify and document what projects you're going to work on, what value the company will gain from having you there, what training or skills you will get and what other things you're going to gather around you by the end of the internship? There are many good things about unpaid internships. A quality unpaid internship in your prospective field can be a stepping stone in the business world where experience usually trumps education. The problem when you graduate is that while you have great education, you have no real-world experience and you don't have credibility in the particular industry into which you're going. By taking a paid or an unpaid internship, it gives you first-hand inside knowledge of how that industry works and better gears you to be able to do it in the future. Now, interning free of charge doesn't mean that you can't take advantage of establishing every connection you can possibly gain and expanding your social and professional network and then really use them to land a job in the future. You know, I I am a great user of um, LinkedIn and it's fantastic, you know, and um, it's just simply another networking tool and we all should use it as much as we can. So, Because networking contacts are extremely valuable. So if you get an internship, make sure that you use every available minute. Use lunches to go and meet people, to interact with them. Try and get interact with them socially. 
Um, it makes a huge difference. Every contact counts. And if you're interning at a big name company, now let's say you get an internship at Google, you can use their status to your advantage. A company's reputation from a past internship can propel your hiring chances with almost any new company. However, many students simply can't afford to take on unpaid work, and this forces them to forego an opportunity that could really bolster their resumes. You must verify the job description before you commit to an unpaid internship. You don't want to get stuck doing filing and getting no industry experience when there are temp jobs willing to pay. You're better off, in that case, just getting a temporary job. But don't be afraid to ask the company, what skills am I going to develop? Who's going to supervise me? Who's going to mentor me? Are you going to give me information that I need? Then you need to hold them to fulfilling those obligations. Occasionally, students take unpaid internship, believing that a company would eventually take them on as a full-time employee. But more often than not, that simply doesn't happen. So never go into it thinking that you know, you'll know you end up a full-time employee some type of the future. So an unpaid internship with a good company that undertakes to really help you is invaluable. But try to be paid if you possibly can. So all you um, interns out, all you um, college kids on holidays at the moment, that are out trying to get internships, good luck. We wish you every success in that. Now, of all the calls that I get from all sorts of companies all over the world, the most frequent is about how do I get the cash registers ringing more often? Because after all, that's what business is about. How do I get more people to put money in my till? What would bring more people through the door? How do I reach my potential customers? You know, we're bombarded with, depends who you listen to, 3,500 to 5,000 messages every single day. The vast majority of them are monologue. People yelling at you. Huge companies with more money than cents using traditional media to shout at you and drown out the competitors. You know, they'd be better off hiring metrics people who'll tell them that they're absolutely wasting their money. There's now great buzz for email, social media and mobile marketing because these tools provide dialogue and consumers today want dialogue. Not only that, you can get the message at a time of your choosing. If you're listening to television or radio or whatever, you're getting this blasted at you at that time. With new media, you can take it any time you want. And this is a huge leap in communication from the three-minute toilet breaks that traditional media sell you for obscene amounts of money. But let me just touch on a couple of very simple, no-cost and powerful business-generating tools that have worked gangbusters since the first mum-and-pop stores opened selling dinosaur kitty litter millions and millions of years ago. Research shows that in successful businesses, over 60% of revenue is generated from word of mouth or repeat business. Now, how easy is that? Why doesn't everybody do it? All you have to do is ensure that every member of your staff, 
Whether the salesperson, the delivery man, the repair guy, even the cleaner gives every customer knock-your-socks-off service every single time and really means it. But today, even that isn't enough. In addition to knock-your-socks-off service, you have to give customers an experience and a better value proposition than your competitors do. Note that we're not talking about price here. If your customers and staff absolutely love you, they will pay extra. Now, research shows that they'll pay up to 15% extra before they begin to question the purchase of products or service. With t- And with tight margins, sometimes that extra 15% can almost double your return. Equally as important, it dramatically reduces your customer acquisition costs and your marketing costs. It really is a win-win-win situation. Also, knocked-out customers return again and again and pay a premium customer acquisition cost, as close to nil in contrast to attracting a new customer. So why wouldn't you want acquisition costs to nil against paying a premium? So why doesn't everybody do it? Well, there's two reasons. Most companies do not really know or understand their customers. And secondly, it is a lot easier to ring your mate at the ad agency and buy time than it is to actually be creative and think about a new way to do business. The other powerful tool that very few people short of Apple and Google seem to get is the importance of transforming your employees into raving advocates for your company. Firstly, when they become passionate advocates, they become more innovative, more productive, and create much better outcomes for the company. But more importantly, they provide customers with enthusiastic and genuine service and advice. Moreover, every employee talks to literally hundreds of people every month. Their passion and their enthusiasm rubs off on those customers, and it creates a giant word-of-mouth snowball. It's not difficult to achieve, but it means companies must empower their employees to determine what needs to happen at the company. The company must have transparent management. Employees must be given the opportunity to be innovative and to provide frank feedback, even if it's difficult for management to hear. And of course, all customer feedback must be shared by all employees as it is, not sanitised. So when you make your employees raving fans, they stay longer, they work harder, they use more initiative, and they'll go the extra mile. That makes happier customers, more repeat business, higher margins, and reduced costs, and it guarantees a successful business. But it takes management with guts to do it. In the next couple of weeks, I've got speeches in Rome and Orlando, and possibly next week's show will be broadcast live from Los Angeles, uh, from Las Vegas. So I hope that you keep listening. Don't forget to email me at bob at bobpritchard.com. Tweet me at thebobpritchard. Join me on LinkedIn, Facebook or Google+. Contact me in any way that takes your fancy, but don't ignore me. I'm Bob Pritchard, and I'll be back in a moment. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, this is the part of the show where we interview people who have really made their mark. People who have become very successful, often with very little start in life. I heard something interesting the other day that I think something like 430-odd of the Fortune 500 companies all started with less than $10,000. Now, you know, I speak to a lot of people who say, you know, I don't have enough money to do things. I didn't have the silver spoon in my mouth. My parents couldn't help me. And uh, I hear that a lot. But that, as we're about to find out, has absolutely nothing to do with success. Now, what we try to do in this segment is find out what makes these people tick. What it is that, what is it that gives them this drive to succeed? What do they do that most of us don't do. Today's guest is a guy who grew up on welfare, joined the Navy, is an Amazon number one best-selling author, and he's a serial entrepreneur. He's been a senior marketing executive of two top technology startups and has launched three companies of his own. He also provides coaching in marketing, life, success, and business. I've got to pronounce his name. This is the tricky part. Jason Bowdendistel, author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to LinkedIn Marketing. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Show. Hello, Bob. It's a real honor to be on the show. And as you can tell from my background, uh, like you said, it really doesn't matter where you come from. It's where you want to be. That's right. So... What fueled you to escape? But tell me a bit about your background. Um, where did you live? How did you live? Um, it's really, really very humble beginnings. I, uh, I grew up uh, raised by a single mom on welfare. Uh, at one point, we, the trailer that we were living in, it was really dilapidated trailer. It was basically falling apart. Uh, the landlord decided to tear it down. So that was our first uh, experience with being homeless, basically. And 
you know, just kind of like somehow survived, uh, struggled through uh, up into high school, worked two jobs in high school just to have spending money uh, so I could afford to like buy myself a sandwich on my basketball trips. Yeah. And I, I graduated high school with a 3A GPA and left for the Navy. I knew I wanted to do more with my life, but at the time I was 18 years old, I was green, didn't have any direction, didn't know what I was trying to do, but just knew that I didn't want to return and be like everybody else that was on welfare that just basically never skipped minimum wage. So how do you, that was... How do you start? I mean, I came from a similar background, but way before your time. Um, we, we had eight of us living in one room. Um, so we were broke too, and I remember the burning desire to get the fuck out of there. You know, that was my... Yeah, it's, it's really... It's hard to, you know, find a direction and find a way to escape... But really, my first project was almost kind of non-profit because I ran a record label. And uh, anybody that's ever ran a record label knows that unless you're Atlantic Records, you're probably just not even paying your bills. But I got to work with some bigger artists as I built relationships, including artists from Atlantic Records, ironically enough, and uh, from Vagrant Records and from uh, Blackheart Records. And basically, I use those relationships and that experience with negotiating and building relationships with people to grow into more profitable ventures. I left, worked for two different technology startups. Uh, the second one, we ended up almost selling out for close to a million dollars. And we, I grew their user base by about 70%. It was a social CRM startup named Dynactivity. And it was an invaluable experience because the toolkit that you need to succeed all it is is you need to have this desire to constantly learn new things and to constantly drive yourself. You just won't have to keep stepping forward. How important is it to have to develop those um, really powerful relationships? What, 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 what do they do for you? Do they deliver you money? Do they deliver you expertise? What, what, how do they help you? To be honest, uh, relationship building can have several perks. Uh, I mean, obviously, the new friends financially doesn't immediately help you, but it can get your foot in the door in certain situations. Like, the person that reviewed my uh, book when I was first getting ready to launch it, Price for Technorati, and that review actually ended up being one of the big drivers behind selling thousand copies of the book. So it's those relationships you build that don't necessarily seem like they're a big deal at first, it's like a snowball effect. You you build relationships with people, and especially if they have media uh, connections, they can get your foot in the door with mainstream media. And once mainstream media is willing to listen to your story and find out about your knowledge and your expertise and what you can actually offer to people, if you've taken the time and, and the effort to build those skills and that knowledge base, all you have to do is display that and from there, you're pretty much going. You put in the work, and the results will come over time. So what are your goals for your current company? Currently, I'd like to get us up to a million dollars in revenue and land at least a couple bigger uh, corporations as clients. I'm working on presentations to both Microsoft and uh, Yahoo that I'm going to be sending their way. I definitely would love to get either one of those companies on as a client because uh, Microsoft's actually a company I've always looked up to. I even told people that if I ever worked a day job, Microsoft's on my short list. But other than that, uh, I think but to be actually, honest, I, don't, I, I think you actually did. might be surprised. I've done a bit of training work at Microsoft. I, f- I find 
Um, I find Microsoft to be a bit like a giant public service that, that just doesn't have... It, when you walk into Google, for example... It's well, happened. Google's also on my list, to be honest. Oh, Google's, <laughs> Google's incredible. And the difference between the attitude at Google and the attitude at um, Microsoft is light years. You know, I, I walk into yeah. Google and I get goosebumps. You know, the place is humming. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's so, the thing, though, is if I ever worked a day job, it would have to be probably for a smaller technology startup, to be honest. I would happily consult one of the bigger companies, but I could never work for one just because the idea of being stuck behind a desk all day, I'm just not built like that. Yeah. You know, I, I want to build and create and drive, and I want someone to, you know, be one to go buy my company in a couple of years for $5 million just because it's worth that. I don't want someone telling me you're worth $100,000 a year and this is where you're capped. I just that don't work like that. So I could not agree with you more. Um, I don't know whether you listen to this program, but I'm pumping every week um, for entrepreneurs because, as I say to my listeners, um, the government ain't going to fix our issues. Um, Romney or Obama ain't going to fix our issues. The only people who can fix our issues are entrepreneurs who build jobs for the future, who who you know are out there creating wealth today's wealth for the country. and so, so I'm not huge in politics myself because I feel that your life should not be factored, that should not factor into your life directly. Mm-hmm. But I'll say this much. There are some great programs that our federal government have put aside that do help people that either don't have the resources or the knowledge to change the situation. Yeah, but if you take the time to set aside and learn and learn skill sets that you can use to build something on those skill sets, at the minimum, self-education will get you a much better job. But self-education, unlike the time I spent in college, will make you a fortune if you keep at it. So, yeah. so how did you become an Amazon best-selling author? How did you? Do uh, the prime, the big things I used uh, as far as my toolkit with that was a lot of online digital marketing, a lot of social media, a lot of SEO. I uh, I went and just offered free copies of my book to people in exchange for reviews, and on Amazon, then I had the review on Technology, which was a huge help. And I used uh, some of the marketing tools with Amazon as well. I used their free promotion uh, when I first launched the book. That actually got me the first initial about 1,000 sales, and then it kind of got the snowball effect going. Then I upped the price back up to about 750 for the digital version and about $10 for the, the print version, and people kept buying it because... Yeah. They'd already seen, well, it's gotten to this point. People are, are placing positive reviews. It's a great product with a lot of great information. I want to see what's inside. So people kept buying. And another 3,000 paid copies pretty much flew off of Amazon. I had it at number one in the sales category, number two in the marketing category, and all of Amazon for about a week. And, you know, you know, good luck finding everybody else that cut their, uh, their book up the high on Amazon, even if it only lasted a week, you know. Uh, I still have, yeah, you know, I mean, I still I still get uh, probably a couple hundred dollars a month in royalties from the book, and that's probably money I'm going to see the rest of my life regardless of whether I do anything else with it. So it's <laughs> yeah. definitely a good feeling. You know, to have a little, to have a decent amount of side income coming in every month from something that you built, and, yes, there was a lot of upfront effort, basically for the rest of your life that money is going in your pocket. It's a yeah. pretty incredible feeling. Yeah, it is. Uh, my my new book came out. My fifth book came out about six months ago, and um, it's done well. Um, 
and uh, it is a satisfying feeling. It, I never forget the first time I walked into a bookshop. I walked into Barnes & Noble in Santa Monica when my first book came out, and you walk in the door and you see your book on the shelf, and it's just like, I don't give a shit whether this sells anything. I just, It's just such a great feeling. Yeah, uh, the really exciting thing for me is I have uh, a second book that I want to work on here soon. It's going to be a more in-depth marketing book. It's not going to be just straight... Uh, the social media on LinkedIn by itself. But LinkedIn actually, I feel, is a great tool. I've gotten at least uh, 10 to 15 leads from LinkedIn, and I've had several interview offers. I've had a bunch of business partners that have come to me. LinkedIn has basically snowballed the uh, the growth and the speed at which my business is moving forward. How Plus, it also you... was a huge help to my book. How do you use LinkedIn? That's interesting because I've had a lot of people say to me that they've used LinkedIn to fuel their their careers. How, how do you use LinkedIn? Uh, the big things for me is recommendations are huge. If you have real recommendations, it's basically like free advertising with people to, to look into your profile. You also you want to pick, you know, one, two, maybe three niches at the most. Pick a couple areas that you want to target primarily, and you want to be strategic about it, but you want to place those throughout your profile so that when people type in that uh, term on LinkedIn, that your profile pops up relatively uh, early on in the results. Yeah. If you can get onto the first page, it's perfect, but probably get within the first three to four pages because that, that people probably aren't going to dig anymore. Yeah. And then I I got uh, my name for a couple of the terms that I want to target. I believe I'm on the first page for one, and I think I'm on the second page for another one. And I've had, on average, for a month, I've had about a 1,000 profile views. So, I mean, wow. people are always looking at my profile. That's great. So what did you learn from your time in the technology industry? Uh, big things I've learned is the way you talk to the media and the way you approach VCs, you have to structure it just right. Uh, the buyout offer was actually a fellow entrepreneur that had built several multi-million-dollar companies. He liked the product enough that he sat down and said, I'll give you a million dollars right now for the company. And... You know, right at the time, it was four people, basically all around college age. You know, to us, a quarter million dollars a piece, we felt like we'd already like won the lottery. You know, yeah, sure. but the deal fell through, which I look at as you know, we probably could have gotten more money for the company, been more patient, and there were a lot of internal issues in the company. Though we had communication problems. Their CEO was a brilliant programmer, but once you take away the programming ability. Things like communication and trusting the other people on the team, they weren't really his strengths. Yeah. And you have to have those other qualities as a CEO. You could be the best programmer in the world, but if you don't have those other qualities, you're really just a tech guy and you shouldn't really be running the company. Yeah, so, true. I agree. So what, do you, what and, advice do you have from somebody who, who's in a similar position to what you were? Maybe not necessarily living on welfare in a trailer, but but is, you know, sort of down on their luck, and um, what, what advice you got for them? My best uh, take on, if you start in a very desperate situation, I don't care if you're lower middle class, if you're dirt poor, wherever you start, my my big thing for you is read. Read obsessively. Find a handful of subjects that you would be passionate about that you want to become extremely good at, and read hundreds of books on those subjects. You can go find books at the library for free. Just Start reading. Use that as your free education towards where you want to be. I've read probably at least 500 books in my lifetime. Wow. That's and most of, my, most of my knowledge is all come from books. 
Well, we're running I, pretty. Sh- we're running pretty short of time. So, when you're not reading books, what's your biggest passion? Non-business passion. Reading there aren't many, but there's actually a couple of nonprofits that are really close to my heart. Uh, since I grew up, obviously, really poor. Any charity that either helps those that are impoverished or helps the po- people that grew up in poverty escape poverty definitely would be close to my heart. I also uh, have a, a deep uh, passion for animals. We have two dogs, a uh, beagle and a beagle uh, lab mix. Uh, me and my fiance just that there are furry children. So That's great. And then the uh, really the other thing is I have a passion for technology, not necessarily just from a business standpoint, but from, you know, educational and innovation and moving forward in society because technology is one of those tools like medicine that the more it progresses forward, the better our society becomes. Jason, thank you very much for your time today. I appreciate you speaking with me. That's I, I love to hear stories about people who, you know, a guy in a trailer park, mother on, on welfare, gets thrown out of the trailer park, goes on, lives on the streets and then becomes an Amazon number one best-selling author. That is a hell of a great story. Now, if you're listening and you'd like to find out more about Jason, you can go to www.jason, here we go, Bowdendestil. It is B-A-U-D-E-N-D-I-S-T-E-L.com. Or you can um, look up The Complete Idiot's Guide to LinkedIn Marketing, and I'm sure you'll find it, and that's easier to remember. I'm Bob Pritchard. I'll be back in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. This is the segment where we give you an insight into the lives of some of the world's extraordinary people. What makes them tick? Most extraordinary people that I've ever met began life in ordinary, average circumstances, just like most of us. So what makes them interesting, unusual and great? Well, this is the segment where we find out. 
My guest today in this segment is Tay Zonday. Tay is a People's Choice Award-nominated, YouTube Award-winning, Webby Award-winning singer-songwriter with more than 130 million video views on YouTube. That is an extraordinary number. He blasted into the worldwide spotlight with his viral hit, Chocolate Rain, and has been interviewed on Jimmy Kimmel Live, Good Morning America, America's Got Talent, CNN, MTV. It just goes on and on and on. He's been featured on the front page of Sunday's uh, LA Times, as well as the Chicago Tribune's Red Eye, the Toronto Star, USA Today. On and on it goes. He's also pretty trendy with the South Park, Saturday Night Live, Robot Chicken, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Girlfriends, Guitar Hero, World Tour. And he's raved about by people such as Kobe Bryant, John Mayer and Trey Cool. God. Che also does commercial voice and spokesperson work for a growing portfolio of clients that include Dr. Pepper, Intel, Comedy Central, Firefox, Geico, Virgin America, NASA, Toyota. He's 29, and he continues to release original music and race towards an incredible future, one would suspect. I met Tay at a uh, fantastic mentoring group in Los Angeles called Metal. Hi, Tay. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, your real name, um, I not, might not pronounce this right, is Adam Boehner. Is that right? Uh, Bonner, actually. Okay. So where the hell did Tay Zonday come from? Well, I was in graduate school living in Minneapolis, Mm -hmm. and uh, I believed that my career path would not be a path uh, in entertainment, but would be a path of teaching and doing research and publishing papers in graduate school. And you know, on when I finished my doctorate in, in universities. And so I wanted a different name to release music under. Right. And so I created the name Tazon Day. I entered different names in quotes on Google, and Tazon Day got zero results. Well, actually, and so know, I knew that it had not been used. You know that there are 13 Tazon Days on Skype worldwide? I had no idea. I, I, just, I guess imitation is the highest uh, sign of flattery. It would be um, a waste of a great voice if you were locked up doing research or teaching, I reckon. Now, YouTube's been such a huge part of your success. So what made you think about posting videos on YouTube? Well, I was working towards my Ph.D. in in Minneapolis, and I was a very bad graduate student. Uh, The the subject was American Studies, which is as broad as it sounds, and uh, I was a teaching assistant, which I didn't really enjoy, and my real passion was uh, being a hobbyist musician. I would attend open mics and other similar events at cafes and small theaters around Minneapolis, uh, and sometimes I would drag my keyboard. It gets very cold in Minneapolis, so sure I would does. be dragging a, a 40-pound keyboard and sometimes an amplifier and uh, other gear to play for five or ten people at a cafe uh, and 
half of whom might not be paying attention. And along comes YouTube, and I realize, gosh, people are just sitting in their living rooms and recording themselves sing and reaching a larger audience than it is possible to reach singing at open mics and cafes. And so uh, in early 2007, I decided to start uploading videos to YouTube. Of course, if you're if you're in a cafe playing to 10 people, that's pretty depressing. But if you put it up on YouTube and nobody watches you, well, it doesn't quite seem so bad, does it? <laughs> uh, not nearly. And also, uh, the other thing about YouTube is you get very honest feedback yes, uh, about what you are doing, which you rarely get in real-life situations. Uh, if someone is singing at a cafe and you hate them and they come up and ask you, well, how did I do – uh, you're going to tell them, well, that was interesting, or that was different, or keep trying, or you're not going to give them an honest opinion. Uh, people give very honest feedback on the Internet. When they're watching an Internet video and they don't like it, uh, they will tell you that in no uncertain terms in the comments. And I actually found that honest feedback refreshing on YouTube uh, compared to seeing it open mics and cafes. At what point along the line to 130 million YouTube views did you decide that, um, wow, this is not a hobby, this is, I can make something big out of this? Um, why did you, well, why did Chocolate Rain go so viral? What was the tipping point? I mean, it's a great, it is a great, great clip, but what do you think spurred all that on? Uh, well, people, as for the song, if, if uh, the viewership has not heard it, people say of the song that it is very repetitive. It gets stuck in your head. Uh, sure. People have told me their two-year-old won't stop singing it in bedtime. <laughs> uh, you know, People say that my voice does not match my body. I look very young in the video. And so there's kind of a little bit of a circus aspect, I will admit, uh, to some of the viewership where you just haven't, often seen a person who looks young with a, a deep, Barry White or Paul Robeson voice. Um, and also my mannerisms uh, are unusual in the video. I uh, do things that were completely natural to me when I did, uh, when I recorded the video, but that became inadvertently iconic later, like moving away from the mic to breathe in. Yeah. Um, and uh, I suppose for those three reasons, the voice-body mismatch uh, the unusual mannerisms, and also just the catchiness of the song, um, it really took off. And it's also a very easy song to parody. So True. what happened on YouTube is that I sang the original Chocolate Rain song, but people would upload parodies like Minstrel Pain uh, <laughs> and other things that would play with the lyrics, and uh, that kind of became a central activity. Um as for a specific tipping point where I said, gosh, something is happening with this, uh, really, I uploaded that video in April of 2007. It sat around for a while. Nothing happened with it immediately. Mm. Then in July of 2007, uh, someone uploaded it to dig.com, which in 2007 is about the equivalent of Reddit yes. uh, right now. And yep. it got attention on dig.com, and then someone posted it on uh, a certainly internet message board known as 4chan, and it became a joke there. And uh, it became part of a, a kind of an inside thing for them to pass this around, and it just kept getting passed around virally uh, via email and other means. Uh, I saw it in a prank call in the Tom Green show 
that he, uh, Tom Green was doing from his living room where someone would call in and burst into singing Chocolate Rain. And a couple days later, it uh, was on Carson Daly's TV show. And then the next week, it was a national news story where uh, endless major outlets were reporting on this Internet video, Chocolate Rain. And at first, it seemed to me like that would just be what it was. It would be a national news story for two or three weeks, and it would blow over. Um, as it turns out, it just kind of had legs like the Energizer Bunny, and it kept going and going and going to a point where uh, about five weeks later, I appeared on Jimmy Kimmel uh, and performed the song there, and then was interviewed on Jimmy Kimmel. And... I ended up doing a commercial with Dodger Pepper uh, that uh, had a very high production value. They put uh, invested a fair amount of money in doing that music video, and so uh, that was an impressive direction that it went in. And then following uh, the next year in 2008, I won a YouTube award. I won a Webby award the summer of 2008, a full year later. Um, it was parodied in South Park. Uh, in 2008, and so it just kind of continued, and it still continues to this day. In fact, just last month, I was parodied on Saturday Night Live, which uh, was a, a compliment. Someone played a character that was supposed to be me, and <laughs> so I inadvertently became a sort of icon for the Internet, and to this day, people who do not remember the song Chocolate Rain, people who do not remember my name, Tazon Day, will still kind of stare across a long room at me and approach me and say, gosh, you are that guy from the Internet. You did yeah. that, that video thing. You did that, that thing. And they know that somehow my face is something they've seen before in connection with the Internet and YouTube. I must admit that uh, I met you for the first time last Saturday morning. Um, and uh, when you stood up, you, you've got, you have got a very young face and you, you're quite you're very thin and you're tall and then this massive voice comes out and I must admit I'm sitting there in the audience and I was watching the stage and I heard this voice and I thought wow <laughs> and then and when I found out more about it I was I, I was really surprised so you know you do um it, it's a very impressive voice so do people actually make money on YouTube say I post a video that goes viral on YouTube how do I develop that into a, a business that has all the um, extensions that you've now got? Uh, well, I mean, it's very important to produce content on a schedule on YouTube. So I would say that whatever you did in that viral video, find a way to do it weekly. Find a way to do it every two weeks or on some type of predictable schedule where people know that every Wednesday or every second Wednesday or uh, any other date, for example, they will be able to come back and see more of that type of content and also uh, have consistent branding. Um, I was very lucky with the name Tazon Day because as soon as I uh, Googled it and decided that was my artist name, I got uh, the .com, so TazonDay.com, and took it on Facebook, and, and MySpace was big at the time, and uh, Gmail and, and YouTube, and so having that consistent branding in place when Chocolate Rain blew up was a big help to me. And 
uh, I would say that if you have a video that goes viral or if you find yourself in, in that situation, you have to also take a long, hard look at your branding and say, is my branding consistent? Is it consistent sure. across all platforms? Um, and so consistent branding and, and doing more of it on a schedule would be the two key things. So you've been well known in the on the social media landscape for since 2007. How's social media changed and where do you think it's heading? Of course, today um, Facebook went um, listed on NASDAQ. So where do you think um, it's all heading? You know, it's very interesting. MySpace was still the biggest thing in music when Chocolate Rain blew up in 2007. And uh, YouTube was very excited to see Chocolate Rain uh, blow up as an example of people taking an original video on YouTube and then posting thousands of parodies and reinterpretations of that video. And it was kind of a seminal moment where YouTube said, hey, this is what differentiates us from MySpace uh, and, and other competitors in that time frame is that people can upload something and it can be remade and it can be parodied. And uh, for many years, that was kind of the way to blow up on YouTube. And in fact, uh, you have major names like Justin Bieber, um, yep. who originally started his, his mom started his YouTube account, and I believe he was singing Usher and Michael Jackson and, and other types of covers and eventually came into the right type of attention to blow up. Um, I would say over time, uh, the issues with copyright and um, up, what partners are allowed to upload have definitely evolved. In 2007, YouTube was much more rigid and and not nearly so big a fish as it is in 2012. And I would say as the years have gone on and YouTube traffic has gotten bigger and uh, the relationships with, you know, the major labels and, and other copyright stakeholders have smoothed out uh, that uh, a wider range of parodies and a wider range of doing musical covers has become more acceptable. But, you know, as far as the future is concerned, I think YouTube really wants to compete with the viewership numbers of sure. network television. So you have a show like American Idol that gets 30 million views or uh, NBC's The Voice, and uh, the top YouTubers still aren't quite getting in that range in terms of video views. The biggest YouTubers are getting maybe four or five million views per video um, each week. And I, I think that's definitely the direction YouTube wants to move in is to really try to compete not just with cable TV or regional TV and its viewership numbers, but uh, to compete with major network TV and, so, and find a way to boost numbers like that. So what is next for Tay uh, I continue to pursue independent music. I continue to upload it to YouTube. I continue to pursue voice work uh, and uh, have been very lucky in that regard. And uh, definitely film acting and, and pursuing uh, things dramatically and continuing to grow in that area of entertainment uh, is uh, it's kind of a three-tier strategy, I suppose, for Tazon Day, the acting, the voice work, and, and the independent music. That's a long way from teaching. <laughs> it is definitely different than uh, the career path of being a university professor doing teaching and research. Sure. Tay, it was great to speak to you. Um, I really enjoyed it. I'll see you next week at Metal, and we can uh, have a coffee. 
Now, if you'd like to find out even more about Tay, go to his website, which is www.tayzonday.ning.com. And I'll be back for the last segment of the show after this short break. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Well, that a couple of great interviews, I reckon. So um, it's email time. Really, I really appreciate the emails that you send to me each week. And uh, the reason this segment, I think, is popular is that... Um, Irrespective of what you do for a living, what sort of business you have, or where in the world you are, or whether you're large or you're small, even though I'm answering an email from somebody in a totally unrelated industry, the principles apply to you equally. So um, listen closely because I'm sure it will um, it'll work for you. First email this week. I think the only email this week is from Richard Jones of Boise, Idaho, who writes, "Bob, I have a small software retailer, and it is a little off the main road." I've heard over and over again that the key to retail success is location, location, location. Is this true? If so, how important is it? Well, incidentally, I love your show. It's been really helpful to me, and I've also bought your book last week, and I'm working my way through it. Well, Richard, thanks for your email. 20 years ago, one of the foremost retail consultants in the world, Bert Flickinger, said bad decisions about where to open stores are really costly mistakes that can drive retail right out of business. It is about location. Now, really, I just think that's bullshit. When Richard Branson began Virgin Records, it was on the third floor, but he gave people a different experience. He gave them what they wanted, so they came. Where you're selling something generic like a Coke or a Pepsi or a hamburger, people won't seek you out unless it's an extraordinary hamburger. But where you can positively differentiate yourself from your competitors, the coolest store, the best music, the only company selling a certain product, then people will search you out. If you're offering something different, product, positioning, service, or some other motivating attribute, 
people will come. So forget location, location, location. The key is concept, concept, concept. Richard, since you already have a copy of Kick-Ass, I'm going to send you a copy of Marketing Magic, a book that I wrote with um, Brian Tracy, Jay Conrad Levinson and others, and it's on its way to you. Just a reminder, if you missed my main newsletter, my June newsletter is coming up. So go to www.bobpritchard.com and register. I have a couple of great interviews next week, and unless we reschedule and broadcast live from Vegas. So um, get in touch with me. Send me an email. Contact me on LinkedIn. Join me on LinkedIn. Contact me on Google Plus or Facebook or Twitter. And I look forward to seeing you again next week at the same time. Thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.